Welcome to the Talking Reef Tank Journal Series, Episode 1. In this episode, I'm going to take you through the initial list of equipment and various items that you're going to need to get your tank started. Um, if you're interested in more information about this show or this series, or if you're interested in becoming an advertiser or sponsor of this series, please head over to TalkingReef.com for more information. To get started, uh, obviously the first thing on our list is going to be the tank. Uh, the tank in the background here, you should be familiar with that and you should already have that picked out. So I'm not going to touch on that very much. Um, going on to some of the initial little pieces, little things that you're going to need. Uh, I'm going to start off with uh, some stirring sticks or devices, uh, something that you're going to use to stir and mix large volumes of water when, or, or chemicals or whatever you happen to be doing. Um, these work good for stirring up salt when you're mixing your salt together. <clears throat> This is a little thing that I put together on my own. This is a wooden spoon and it is connected to with a toothbrush on the end and a rubber band. Uh, works, the spoon works good for stirring things up, obviously. Uh, and the toothbrush also works for getting inside of things, cleaning them off. Having the long handle allows you to get deep inside tubes, hoses, connectors, stuff like that, cleaning it out. Also people with U-tubes uh, for overflow boxes will appreciate it because when you reach down in there, it'll bend and help you get those hard to reach places in there. So just a little something that I came up with. Um, either way, toothbrushes, something to stir, also all very beneficial. Um, <clears throat> a fishnet, I think this is pretty obvious. I don't think I need to go into too much detail. You should have one. Um, something else that I have here, this is uh, something called a mag float. Uh, this is uh, a magnetic device, connects inside the tank here. Uh, it's got a Velcro, hard Velcro on one side uh, and a soft felt on the other side. Uh, good for cleaning up the tank and uh, stuff like that, cleaning off the glass. Some other stuff that you might want to look into, small pair of scissors. Um, this is just uh, a, a little tiny stainless steel set larger, smaller, uh, it doesn't matter. Something like this in general will help. Uh, later on when we get into coral fragging and stuff, these are also, these become more of a requirement. Uh, something else that you should always have. This is a large turkey baster. Uh, these are very good for countless different things. Something you should add to your list. Uh, and here's some smaller ones. These are eyedroppers. Uh, same thing, just smaller. Good for cleaning, good for mixing chemicals, additives. Uh, blown off small areas inside the tank, clearing detritus away from, from various things. Uh, also good to have. You can get these in some test kits, uh, chemical test kits, stuff like that. Um, you can also, you might also be able to get them from uh, local fish stores. They might have them laying around. I'm not sure, uh, but check it out. Some other things. Um, this is a small uh, flexible airline tube. Uh, there's a lot of different things that you use these for. Uh, it's good to have a little bit, get a couple feet from, your local fish stores will sell these. Get a couple feet, it's really, really cheap. It's good to have on hand. And those also work good with the rigid airline tube. This is the same, you know, same thing as this, uh, except for it's hard. There's a lot of times when we can connect these together and they're helpful for siphoning various things out uh, and, and very, a lot of different activities. So. Uh, again, both of these are very cheap. Uh, it, it might be worth getting a, a couple feet of each and then you can cut them to, to suit your needs. Also on the tubing side, here's a, a larger tube. This is just a small example. You can get, uh, you get these from any hardware store really. Uh, this is a 5 8, 5 8 inch inner diameter tube. These are gonna cost, uh, you know, th they're not much. It's usually less than a dollar per foot. 
uh, usually substantially less, usually less than 50 cents or so per foot. Uh, you can get these from a hardware store, get a couple feet of it. Good for water changes, si siphoning the water out. Uh, that's primarily what I use these for. So uh, something good to add to the list too. Some of the other things that I'm going to talk about are measuring cups. I've got various different sizes of measuring cups that you can see here. Uh, let's start off with the largest one. I use this for feeding and mixing large amounts of additives or anything that needs a larger volume. Uh, I use this. This is two cups total. Uh, very helpful. Uh, the next one down, this is a half cup measuring cup. Perfect for salt mixing uh, because I usually do a half cup per gallon of, of water. Uh, so that's good to have in there. And then this is a smaller one, this is a teaspoon. You can use teaspoons, tablespoons. Good for uh, measuring out smaller amounts of food, additives, chemicals, so on and so forth. Having a full set of measuring cups for your fish supplies is really good. You can get these pretty much anywhere. Grocery stores, a uh, good place to start to get that type of stuff. Um, moving on from the, oh, one other thing. You want to have a large dedicated pitcher. Uh, whether you're getting water from a spigot on your RO filter or you're mixing some large amounts together or transferring, whatever it happens to be, a large, fill, a large pitcher is, is very helpful to have. You want to make sure you have one that's dedicated for your fish stuff. You don't want to get soap in it. You don't want it to get caught up in your dishes in your sink when you're washing because that can, that can cause problems. So, uh, Moving on from there, we're going to talk about some electrical, well, non-electrical components, um, kind of. The first thing I'm going to mention here is a TDS meter. This is actually a portable TDS meter. Uh, I talk about the inline ones more in the RODI filter uh, video episode on TalkingReef.com. You can head over there for more information about RODI filters, TDS, uh, how to use the RODI filters, which you should have, and that's a good thing to add to this equipment list. Uh, and then uh, how you, you know, set them up and use them and all that stuff. At the, there's also a lot of episodes where we talk about TDS in general. I'll try to put all this information at the, at the website for everybody. This is just a portable TDS meter. You turn it on, you stir it in with the water, and it gives you a, a little digital readout. Helpful because it's portable and you can take it around. Uh, also good if somebody you know, that you know needs to borrow one, you have one. Um, something else, this is another more complicated device, non-electronical, but still, this is a refractometer. Uh, there's two different common ways to measure the salinity of your water. You've got a hydrometer, which is a plastic meter. You fill it up with water and it's got a little, uh, little needle that floats to give you a reading. This one's far more accurate, and what you do is you put a couple drops of water here, and it close it down, hold it up to the light, you look in through this end, and it gives you a reading inside there that you can that you can read. This is the best way. Temperature auto temperature compensating. It's going to give you the most accurate salinity. Um, virtually no maintenance. Whereas refractometers, you do have to take care of them, and that's talked about in a few of the podcast episodes. Uh, so this is definitely something uh, worth checking out. Also, they're not very expensive. Well worth it, especially if you're doing uh, a reef tank because they're they're even more sensitive to the salinity. Uh, another thing I want to mention, just real briefly, this is a GFI outlet. This is an electrical plug. You want to have these anywhere around your fish tank. Um, make sure you talk to an electrician if you're not familiar with where to put these or how they work, but something that you should have in there to perfect, prevent shortages, fires, stuff like that. Um, standard heater uh, is also a good thing to have. 
these are, uh, you know, there's various different sizes, strengths, uh, wattages, I should say. Make sure you check out the one that fits your tank. Uh, whether you get one or two is up to you, depending on the size of the system and how you set it up. This specific model is made out of a hard plastic, not a glass, which means that it's basically shatterproof. You can run into problems removing, um, removing these if they're out in the air for too long and then you put them into a cold bucket of water or something to start heating up your salt mixture before you do a water change. Stuff like that can cause the glass ones to shatter. It's not very common and the glass ones are usually pretty built pretty well so it's not a huge issue as long as you get a good brand but this is just an example of a plastic one just so you know there's different kinds out there. I use uh, both actually. Something else we're going to look at these are two different types of fill, uh, sorry, pumps. These are to generate water flow within the system. There's a whole podcast episode on uh, water pumps and how they work inside the tank, generating current for the system. This first one is a Hydor Corellia pump. This is a stream style pump. There's a couple different brands out there. This is just the one I'm giving you an example of. This is a number four. It's the largest one out there used for larger tanks. So if we're setting up something like this in the background here, you're probably not going to use something this big. There are smaller models out there. Um, but the idea behind the stream pump is it's got a very large opening, a big propeller inside, and it generates a very wide um, water flow pattern versus something like this maxi jet, which is more of a, a a jet style. It's got a very small hole and it shoots a, a very um, focused stream of water out of it. Generates large amounts of water flow but it's also very focused. These are more common in the smaller tanks um, and can be used for various different things. So make sure you check out the uh, associated podcast episodes on pumps, how to clean them, how to take care of them, how to use them. And there's also episodes on sizing them to make sure you're getting enough water flow for your system. Uh, reef tanks are going to need a substantially large amount of water flow, whereas a fish-only tank, you can keep it pretty minimal. Now I'm going to break off a little bit and we're going to talk about some uh, additives here. Uh, this here is a reef builder uh, by Seachem. It's an additive used to uh, increase or maintain your, your, uh, your alkalinity levels in your system. Um, this Essentially what this stuff is in this bottle is sodium bicarbonate, which just happens to be the same thing as regular household baking soda. Uh, so for a long time I've kind of been using this baking soda in place. It accomplishes the same thing uh, as long as you get a good, a good brand. Uh, this is food safe, food grade baking soda. Um, it's going to work pretty good in your tank. It's, I mean, it's just as safe. Uh, this is a, another additive. This is used for raising and maintaining your pH levels. Depending on the water source or the type of water you're using, you might run into some pH issues. Uh, you can use an additive like this when you're doing your water changes to help take care of that issue. Now as far as determining your levels and what's needed, that's where these test kits come in. Now this is a, a, a small alkalinity test kit. This is made by Aquarium Systems and it's a fast test brand. Uh, there's also other brands such as this. These are by Salifert. Uh, these are my preferred brand really. Um, but this is an alkal um, sorry, magnesium and a calcium test kit. Now the alkalinity uh, is important. Uh, calcium, magnesium, stuff like that, these are pretty much requirements for uh, reef tanks. If you're going to a fish only tank, you probably don't have to worry about these as much. Um, or you can get them later on. If you are doing a reef tank, you're going to want to have those pretty early on uh, before you actually start putting coral and other reef invertebrates and stuff like that in there. Something else 
that we're going to use, and this is a, a test kit that you're going to want to have right at the beginning before we even start the process. Uh, so make sure you get this one early. This is a master test kit, and essentially all that means is it combines the main four testing elements that we're going to use. The first one is for pH, then ammonia, uh, nitrite, and nitrate. Uh, this is uh, something we're going to test right, out, right off from day one. We're going to start going through monitoring the cycle, and we're going to use this to determine when it's safe to start adding uh, fish and other inhabitants into the system. This one specifically is by Aquarium Pharmaceuticals. You can get other uh, brands. It doesn't matter. You'd want to get a good, reputable brand. They can also be bought individually in little, little you know, boxes like this. Now, moving on to some food. The first thing that I'm going to mention here, there's, food is a very complicated topic. I'm not going to get too far into that. I just want to make a quick note about something here. Um, a good all-around general purpose flake food is something like this. This is Formula One flake food. That's, uh, you know, dry. There's also frozen versions. And there's also Formula Two. Formula One, Formula One is, like I said, it's a general all-around uh, omnivore food type, uh, pretty much anything will eat it, whereas the Formula 2 is a little bit more targeted towards her herbivore fish, um, you know, the ones that are going to eat more algae, stuff like that, it's higher in algae content. Um, I prefer this as my main staple. Uh, it's a good one to start off with, low to no phosphates in there, uh, so it's, it's a good one. Something else uh, is something like this. This is Kent Garlic Extreme. Uh, I've talked about this on various podcast episodes and some of the Talking Reef Live episodes. Um, it's a good thing. It's cheap. Uh, it, it helps with feeding, and um, it's also believed to help with the immune system of your of your fish. <coughs> um, there's back to the test kits. I just wanted to mention. Uh, there's also a nice video at talkingreef.com where we go through how to use the test kits, how to read them, and uh, the whole shot there. So you can head over to talkingreef.com for more information on that. Some of the other stuff that we're going to get into uh, is some of the filtration stuff. Uh, just to, I just wanted to show real quick, this is something that's uh, like a phosphan reactor. Um, this is used, it's filled with various types of media, uh, carbon, uh, or the actual phosphan stuff in there if you're having phosphate issues. These are good, helpful, um, pretty inexpensive, something that you might want to look at later on adding to your list. We also have... Um, uh, something back here is kind of kind of big. This is too big for this system that we're setting up here, but this is just an example of a protein skimmer. Um, protein skimmer is one of those required components when you're setting up your, your reef tanks. Um, Fish-only tanks, there's a couple other options, but we're going to focus on the use of a protein skimmer. Uh, this is just, like I said, just an example of a large one. Um, if and when a protein skimmer is added to this system, it'll be much smaller. Um, some of the other things for filtration are going to be your sand um, and the live rock, uh, which I do have here. Here's some examples of some live rock. When you pick this up from your local fish store, you're going to have either live rock or base rock. These are examples of base rock. Um, again, there's a, a few differences, and I, there's a lot of podcast episodes that go through this. We've got a whole episode on live rock. We've got a whole episode on protein skimmers. So you can head over to there for, for both of those episodes. Um, 
the next part of the filtration is, is sand, uh, sand. I don't have the bucket here, but I do have a bucket of sand for this. Um, there's a full podcast episodes on sand beds, actually a series, there's a few episodes on sand beds, how deep to make them, how to take care of them, the whole shot. So you can head over to talkingreef.com for more information on that, but you're going to want to make sure you have sand ready. The next thing on the list is a type of synthetic sea salt, whether you're using something like this, which is Red Sea Coral Pro. This is something that's specific for reef style tanks. There's also the instant ocean um, version of this too called Reef Crystals. And then Red Sea and Instant Ocean have their regular, uh, regular type of salt, which can be used in reef tanks, more commonly used in, in uh, the fish-only tanks. If you use some of those types in a fish-only tank or in a reef tank, you're going to want to make extra careful that you're adding, adding the needed additives in there, like the magnesium and calcium, so on and so forth, that, the, that your stuff is going to need. Um, Let's see, the last few items I'm going to talk about are just some odds and ends here. Ziploc bags are also always very helpful um, for moving stuff around water. Uh, when we get later into coral fragging, it's just something good to have laying around because you can move stuff. Um, another thing, when we're, when we're working inside the tanks, um, working with coral, there's a lot of things in there, especially if you have to dig into the sand bed. Um, I like to use just a regular um, rubber gloves. Now, if you do use something like this, you want to make sure that you get sterile and non-powdered. Some of them have this powder on them. You don't want to have any of that. There's also commercial gloves that are used for aquariums. They're very long. They cut like shoulder length rubber gloves. You can use those too. I find these are cheap. They're disposable. Use them a couple times, throw them out. Um, it's not so much to keep your hands dry like those longer ones are. It's more to kind of keep your hands and your fingers protected. If you're moving rocks or in the sand, especially, we'll sh see later on, uh, there's little bristle worms that can get in your fingers and the little bristles on there can get in your, in your skin, um, like fiberglass. It's really irritating. It's just more of a protection for both you and uh, the, the inhabitants in your system. So that's kind of a, a run through of a lot of the basic stuff that we're gonna, we're gonna use to set up the tank. Uh, as we go through these episodes, we will talk about other things that you might need, but this is a really good baseline uh, and a good place for you to start out. So uh, in conclusion, I'd like to thank everybody for checking this episode out. Uh, if you have more, uh, if you have questions or you need more information, uh, or again, if you're interested in, in advertising or sponsoring with this series or with the site in general, head over to TalkingReef.com and all the information's there. Thank you.